Yeehaw indeed. Good morning, church. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12 this morning. Romans chapter 12. <laughs> If you are new here at Plainfield Christian Church, we would love to welcome you here. We're so excited that you're here. Take a moment. If you're a guest with us, there's a flap on the inside of your bulletin called a connection card. Fill that out. We'd love to get to know you. You can drop that in the offering plate when it comes around. And during the offering time, that's just something that we do as a family of God, as the PCC family, to give back to God for what he's given to us. Feel no obligation to give. Uh, Just by way of announcement real quick, we still have spots to sign up to go on our Hurricane Harvey release trip that's coming up. So if you are interested in being involved in that, either if you have time to go or if you could give supplies to that trip, uh, go out in the hub after the service, get some more information. We'd love to get you plugged in there. Can I just start by confessing something to you guys today? All right, here we go. All right. Hello, my name is Luke Proctor and I am a recovering bachelor. (laughs) Now, I've heard it said that marriage is when a man loses his bachelor's degree and a woman gains her master's degree. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I am a happily married man going on two years now. My wife, Rebecca, is my absolute best friend in the world, and marriage is great. But every now and then, I still find that old bachelor Luke trying to sneak out. And if you ask my wife, she will attest this is true. You see, bachelor Luke was used to living in a college dorm. And bachelor Luke, when the trash can got too high and was cascading over all over the floor with McDonald's bags and Sonic cups, what would be the logical thing to do? Take it to the dumpster, right? But no, just add a box to the other side. Get a wider base, you can build your tower even higher. Bachelor Luke did that. Husband Luke is not supposed to do that. (laughs) Bachelor Luke left the toilet seat in the proper position. Up. (laughs) Husband Luke is not supposed to do that. Bachelor Luke didn't have to change the sheets. They're navy. You can't see that much dirt on them anyway. Bachelor Luke could wear the same old black socks as long as they weren't too crusty. Bachelor Luke could eat popcorn like you're shoveling dirt into a wheelbarrow. But husband Luke is gradually learning that normal members of society don't do such things. (laughs) You see, husband Luke has a lot to learn. He's got to be transformed because he's not living that same old life anymore. Husband Luke cannot live for himself anymore. He's got to be transformed. And you have been adopted into the family of God. You used to live for yourself, but you don't anymore. And yet some of you are still living as if you belong to the world. We've been going through this letter called Romans for the last several weeks, and Romans is written by this early church leader named Paul to a fledgling group of believers in the ancient city of Rome, and we've been studying it really since June, and we've seen some amazing things in Romans that we messed the world up, we messed ourselves up, but even in the midst of that, God's fixing it, and he's been incredibly gracious to us. He's justified us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to earn our place anymore. We get this identity through faith. He's given us so much grace. We're dead to sin. We're alive in Jesus. We've been adopted into the family of God. We've been given the Holy Spirit to empower us. Uh, We get the wonderful knowledge that God is working all things for our good. We get this mission to go tell the whole world this wonderful news that we have heard. And we get all these amazing gifts that God's given us. And Paul sums up everything that we've learned so far in Romans in one word right here at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. He calls it mercies. Mercies. It's pure mercy that we messed all this up and that God is getting us out of it. 
It's pure mercy. So in response to God's mercy, here's how we are to live. In response to God's mercy, we are to be transformed. We are to be transformed. And to be transformed means, first of all, relinquish your life. Relinquish your life. In the white space next to that blank, you can write this. You can write, get your life on the altar. Get your life on the altar. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, when we belong to Jesus, we are called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, as an act of worship to God. This is the language of sacrifice. You might remember in the Old Testament, God's people worshiped him by sacrificing animals. They killed animals. But then Jesus came, and he was the perfect sacrifice, so we don't kill animals anymore. In response to his sacrifice, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Actually, the word here for sacrifice means killing. So Paul says we are to literally be a living killing a daily offering ourselves to him completely, dying to that old sinful self. It's like he said earlier in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Every part of us belongs to God. You take approximately 23,000 breaths a day, and every single one of them is a gift from God. So in response to his mercy, we are to give each one of those breaths back to him, devoting ourselves completely to God. This is our true and proper worship, Paul says, literally our reasonable, sensible, rational worship. It makes sense for us to devote our whole lives to the one who died to save us. Without him, we were broken, but with him, we are mended. Without him, we are wounded, but with him, we are healed. Without him, we were alone. With him, we have God's presence. Without him, we were enslaved. With him, we are free. Without him, we were weak, but with him, we are strong. He saved us, and he died for us, so he's calling us, too, to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to offer ourselves completely to him. You see, you will offer your body to something. You will devote your time and energy to something, maybe it's work or a hobby or an addiction, family, friends, I don't know what it is, but what are you offering your life to? What will you pursue? Two little boys, Kevin is eight and Ryan is six, sitting at the breakfast table one morning and they're bickering back and forth because mom's over at the stove, she's making pancakes and the boys are just going at it about who's gonna get the first pancake. So mom sees a teachable moment, she comes over and says, boys, boys, now, Jesus would let his brother have the first pancake. The boys hang their heads. Then Kevin looks up and says, okay, Ryan, you'll be Jesus. <laughs> you know, I've heard it said that the problem with living sacrifices is that they keep crawling off of the altar. Anybody else ever been there? It's hard to offer yourself completely to God. You've got to just keep dragging yourself back up on the altar. We've got to be transformed. You've got to drag yourself back up on the altar and forgive instead of having the last word in an argument with your spouse. You've got to drag yourself back up on the altar and serve that annoying coworker instead of making a joke about them behind their back. Drag yourself up on the altar and go apologize to that person instead of letting bitterness fester one more day. Drag yourself back up on the altar and be quiet and listen to that person's critique of you instead of feeling the need to defend yourself. Drag yourself back up on the altar 
and go to church. It's important, even after a long week. Drag yourself back up on the altar and spend 30 minutes reading your Bible in the morning instead of scrolling Twitter or ESPN. Drag yourself back up on the altar and run away from temptation to lust instead of being controlled by your sexual urges and desires. Some of your bodies have been offered as living sacrifices to shameful things. And some of you have offered yourselves and been involved in things that you'd rather not remember. But I'm telling you that it is never too late to drag yourself back up on the altar and to be transformed by relinquishing your life and giving yourself completely to God. So be transformed by relinquishing your life. Get your life on the altar. Here's the second thing. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Renew your mind. And right next to that blank, you can write this. You can write, get your mind in the word. Get your mind in the word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the first step, he says here, is do not conform to the pattern of this world. Because the world's way of thinking and believing is not our way of thinking and believing. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this age, he's talking about Satan there, lowercase g, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. In other words, the way that the world thinks is actually twisted and manipulated by Satan himself. So don't just do what the people around you are doing without thinking it through from a scriptural standpoint. The world around you is going to try to squeeze you into its mold. Society is going to tell you what to do, how to think. Culture is going to try to dictate its own terms about what is and is not appropriate. This present age is going to shout and sometimes whisper seductive truth, seductive lies <laughs> to you about what is right and wrong. They'll say, y'all do what makes you happy. If it feels good, go for it. Oh, just one more, then you'll be happy. Just that next position, that new house, that new car, just a little more money, then you'll be content. Oh, truth? Truth is relative. Nobody can tell you what's right. There's no one way to be happy, no one way to heaven. Do what makes you feel good. It's only natural. You deserve it. Whatever's true for you is true tolerance. We must recognize and reject the poisonous lies that the world tries to feed us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We are to be renewed and be different within the world. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, that we are to be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So what's influencing how you think? How much TV are you watching? What kind of movies are shaping your worldview? Who are you following on social media that's shaping your idea of the good life? What kind of music is playing in your car? And I know those seem like small things, but I promise you, they're shaping your mind. We must recognize the pattern of this world and reject it. We don't live like that anymore. We must be transformed. If you go out into the church parking lot right now, you might see a blue Pontiac G6. Now, the driver of that blue Pontiac G6 has an Indiana driver's license. On the inside of that car, he is a Hoosier. But on the outside of that car, it would be hard to tell. 
because that blue Pontiac G6 still has Missouri plates. And on the back window of that blue Pontiac G6, there are logos of the St. Louis Cardinals and the Missouri Tigers, emblems of the Christian faith, God's favorite sports teams. (laughs) (laughs) And the driver of that car is a recent transplant to Indiana. And though his driver's license may say Indiana, the outside of that car reveals a little more about where his loyalties actually lie. Now, I have no idea who the driver of that car is, but it's high time he was transformed and committed to being a Hoosier, especially since those Boilermakers whipped up on his Tigers yesterday. (laughs) And that's us. We are no longer to conform to the pattern of the world because we don't live there anymore. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're members of God's family now. The the Greek says that we are to be transformed, literally to undergo metamorphosis, like from a caterpillar to a butterfly, by the renewing of our minds. And that's a long process. It's slow, and we have to work at it every single day. I'm going to need a little audience participation to illustrate this, and the other services have done really, really well, so don't let me down now, okay? I'm going to start a line, and I want you all to finish it out loud. Don't be shy. Here we go. Any movie fans out there? Luke, I am your... Great job. How about advertising? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good job. Any history buffs in the audience? Four score and? Good job. How about some rock and roll? You ain't nothing but a? Good job. 80s people out there. Just a small town. Yeah, I got to play it in my head just like you do. All right, okay. Not bad. Let's try some more, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those were a little harder, weren't they? (laughs) Psychologists have identified two major laws that govern how we think and how we live. The first one is the law of cognition. It basically says that what we think determines how we behave. But the second law is called the law of exposure. Basically, that whatever we are most exposed to shapes how we think, which therefore shapes how we live. I've heard it said like this, what repeatedly enters your mind occupies your mind. And your mom told you this growing up, garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. I've heard one comedian lady say, my doctor says you are what you eat. So I decided to eat a skinny girl. (laughs) You know, if you only eat carrots, you're going to end up looking like a carrot. And if you only eat Big Macs, you're going to end up looking like a Big Mac, okay? Now imagine with me that I started training to run a marathon on a steady diet of oatmeal cream pies and Twinkies. How well do you think that will go? No, I'm not going to make the first mile of that marathon because I'll be the shape of a Twinkie, all right? You are what you eat. Garbage in, garbage out. If I gave you a top fuel dragster to go race against the pros and you wanted to win, are you going to take it over to BP and fill it with 87 octane? No. You're going to get top-of-the-line race fuel because garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. There was once a brilliant young man in Germany, an aspiring artist, and his lifelong dream was to be an artist, so he sent in some samples of his work and applied to the Vienna School of Art, and eventually he got a letter back. 
denied. Well, he was crushed, obviously, heartbroken, but he was sure that it was a fluke. His hope remained, and so he was determined to be accepted. He tried again, and again, he sent in some samples of his art and was convinced that this time he would be accepted. His dreams would come true, and eventually he got another letter back from the school, rejected again. And this time, his hopes were dashed. He was crushed, and he sunk deeper and deeper into a sulking rage. He soaked himself in the writing of the pagan philosopher Nietzsche. It was Nietzsche who said, God is dead. And while immersing himself in this heathen philosophy, he also listened to the music of Wagner. And Wagner composed this strong orchestral music, this bombastic German national music. It was inspiring, but Wagner was also a vocal anti-Semite. He hated the Jews. And so over time, this young man, Adolf Hitler, became polluted and warped. Garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. What we consume ultimately determines who we become. And, and people are surprised by this. Uh, people think that they can expose themselves to blatantly immoral music and shows and novels and friend groups, and they say, oh, I'm not really paying attention. I don't let it affect me. It's nothing big. But it is no wonder that we live in a world torn apart by racial violence and gang wars and school shootings when our children are soaked in violent video games and we live in a society that glorifies blood and guts. It is no wonder we live in a world that is hurting because of fatherless families and broken because of worldwide sex slavery when the majority of the men in our country are living in the darkness of pornography and the women are consistently told to turn their bodies into sex symbols by the plastic models that are plastered on billboards all over the city. Garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. So if we are going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, we've got to feed ourselves the truth. Get your mind in the word. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And we actually see Jesus do this throughout his ministry. There'll be times when the crowds are pressing in around him, trying to get him to be who they want him to be and do what they want him to do. And when they do, Jesus takes a step back and he retreats and he goes to pray and to be alone with God. And he soaks his mind in the word so much that scripture just bleeds out in everything that Jesus says and does. So what are you doing to be transformed by the renewing of your minds? You are going to spend 167 hours outside of this room this week. Only one hour in here, 167 hours out there, surrounded by other influences. So what are you going to do to keep your mind on the truth? Uh, maybe you just need to slow down, turn off your cell phone, the TV, the radio. Just open the Bible. Be silent with the word. Maybe say a short prayer of thankfulness to God. Maybe join a life group. Get some people in your life who will help you live out your faith during the week. Make church a priority. Don't miss on Sundays. This is important for the formation of your brain. Uh, maybe you can just start a daily time where you're reading your word, just reading the Bible. Take that step. Start doing it every day. And maybe you already are, and maybe the next step for you is memorizing God's word. It's really hard to do, and all of us have excuses for why we don't do it, but it is vitally important, and I would challenge you to take a step and start memorizing God's word. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, and all of us have the ability to memorize. My granddad would write a Bible verse on a little three-by-five card and stick it in his pocket. And he'd carry it around, and throughout the day, he'd pull it out and look at it, stick it on the mirror while he shaves, and before you know it, 
It was lodged in his brain. That verse was renewing his mind. You are what you eat. Garbage in, garbage out. So get your mind in the word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And some of your minds have become prisons. Stuck in the rut of the world's destructive thinking, your mind might be shackled to selfishness or pride or lust or guilt or fear. And if that's you, I'm here to tell you that it is never too late to dive deep daily into God's word and to let his truth shape how you think. I challenge you, get your mind in the word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the last thing. Be transformed by reorienting your abilities. Reorient your abilities. And in the little white space next to that blank, you can write this. Get your gifts off the shelf. Get your gifts off the shelf. Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So here's the deal. The first part of us using our gifts well for God is actually to think rightly with our renewed minds. That's what Paul tells us to do. Think rightly about yourself. He says, don't think too highly of yourself. Your gifts are gifts. You didn't earn them. So there's no need to brag about them. Imagine this with me for a second. Imagine I'm on a cruise ship and I fall off and I'm in the water and because I've been eating that steady diet of Twinkies, I'm drowning, okay? But somebody on the deck sees me, they throw me a life preserver and I grab on, I hang on for dear life while they drag me up and I fall onto the deck of the boat and I cough up all the water out of my lungs. But after I catch my breath, I say, man, did you see how I held on to that life preserver? Woo-wee, man, the dexterity of my wrist, the definition of my biceps, man, I had it going on. No, I wouldn't say that, would I? (laughs) I had nothing to brag about. It was pure mercy that I made it back up on that ship. And it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Notice how much Paul talks about grace here in this paragraph. Everything that we are, everything that we can do is a gift from God. So we have no right to brag about it. But also don't think too lowly of yourself. Each one of you is uniquely gifted. You are a unique part of a unified body and there is not an ungifted person in this room. And can I just tell you, we need you. We need every single part for the body to work properly. If I'm gonna pick my nose, I can't do it with just my shoulder and my wrist. That elbow has to be working, right? We need every single one of you. We need all of you. So get plugged in. Think rightly about yourself and secondly, think rightly about the church. Jesus died And he died to save me, he died to save you, but he didn't just die to save us as individuals. He did save me and you and you and you and you and you, but he also saved us as a community. Jesus died to create for himself a body, a church, a group of people who would stay behind when he ascended into heaven and do his work and who would witness on his behalf and who would worship him, and that's us. We are his body, filled with his presence, his spirit, doing his work on earth right here, bringing the healing and the truth and the mercy and the grace that he brought to us, to those around us. And we need every part for the body to work properly. We have unity, even in the midst of our diversity, because y'all are really different from each other, but we can still be unified because we're submitted to one head and we are ultimately one body, working together, using our gifts for his glory and the church's good. So think rightly about yourself, 
Think rightly about the church. And here's where we're going to land today. Get to work. Get to work. And some of y'all are thinking, man, it's the weekend. I don't want to get to work. But that's what I'm going to tell you. Get to work. Get your gifts off the shelf. There are many of you out there who have your gifts just sitting high on a shelf collecting dust. You have time and abilities and resources and talents that you're just using for yourself. And can I tell you, when you're not using your gifts to serve, yeah, you're cheating the church, but you're also just cheating yourself. Because it's like having a gift and never actually opening it. Who wants to not open a present? A present is best enjoyed when you open the present and you use it for what it is designed for. So get your gifts off the shelf, dust them off, and start using them for God and for the good of the church. So what are your gifts? You might not know what your gifts are. This list here in Romans 12 is not exhaustive. There's other lists in the New Testament, places like 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter 4. I'd encourage you guys to go check those out. If you don't know what your gifts are, that's one way to do it. But here's the basic point. Everything that the church needs to do her job is right here in this room. We have everything that we need in you. And maybe you don't know what your gifts are. For starters, I'd encourage you to just do what needs to be done. See a need, meet a need. Experience is a great teacher for your gifts. My dad says, go till you get a no. Trial and error, that's a good way to figure out your gifts. Just start serving in some way. You'll figure out whether or not it's the right fit. We're not uh, about like fitting square pegs and round holes here. We want you to fit where, where it makes your tail wag, Okay. You don't want me managing a ton of, ton of details unless you want everything to get forgotten. You don't want me serving on the kitchen crew unless you like burnt lunch. <laughs> but I'm grateful that we have people who do keep the wheels turned and managing the details. We have a kitchen crew that makes some great food. So if you don't know what your gifts are, just start serving for one. Maybe look at the lists in the Bible, see if anything sticks out to you. Maybe take a self-inventory. What do you enjoy? What are you good at? When do you feel most satisfied? What are you most burdened by? We have a tool for you actually on the church website, plainfieldchristian.com. If you go to a drop-down menu, it'll say serve. If you click on the serve tab, it'll take you to a page where there'll be a link over on the right side that says discover your gifts. And you can actually just take a survey that will help you discover what your spiritual gifts are and how to plug them in right here at Plainfield Christian Church. I'd encourage you to do that. And some of you are serving. And if you are serving, number one, thank you. But I wanna challenge you too. Uh, don't serve alone. Uh, bring somebody along, show them the ropes. Uh, it's hard to have success without a successor. So teach somebody else, serve in community. Some of you guys can teach, some of you can bake, some of you have servant hearts and love to work, some of you have resources that you love giving away, some of you are retired and, and you have time on your hands, some of you guys love having deep conversations, some of you are good at having parties. Can I say that we need you? We need all of you. We actually have a lot of service needs right here in this church that aren't met yet. In our hospitality ministry, we still have 90 spots that need filled for volunteers to serve. The Bible talks a lot about hospitality as one of the, the best characteristics of the early church, loving the stranger. And there are new people in this room right now, and there are new people who are coming to this church today, and it's an overwhelming feeling. Trust me, I'm a new guy to not know where to go or what to do or not knowing all these people that you're seeing. So maybe you do know the ropes. Maybe you could stand out in the parking lot and show people where to park. Maybe you could be a warm face to have a conversation with someone when they come in or show them where to sit. We need 90 more people in our hospitality ministry and I'd encourage you to sign up. We need 28 more people in our children's ministry. If you're good with kids, if you love being around kids, volunteer to be in our children's ministry. 
If you have a heart for special need kids, we, have, we need more volunteers in our perfect fit ministry. People just to be buddies of special needs kids on Sunday mornings. We actually have 85 more spots in our local and global impact ministries that we need volunteers for. If you're interested in taking a trip to meet with some of our global impact partners, if you are interested in doing any kind of medical missions or, or any kind of construction work for them or just on going on one of those trips, go out to the hub, check it out. We have 50 spots that need filled. Uh, maybe you could help set up at our reunion campus. Those guys work hard every single Sunday morning to set up. Maybe you could help distribute meals throughout, throughout the week. We need more, more volunteers to do that. We're gonna have a top 10 list of our service needs out there in the Welcome Center, right outside that door when you walk out of the service. Pick one up. That top 10 list will also be on the church website. We need you. We need all the parties. Here we go. When God saved us, he didn't just save us so we could be the same. He saved us so that we could be daily transformed to be looking more like him. We're supposed to be transformed by relinquishing our lives, getting ourselves on the altar. We're supposed to be transformed by renewing our minds, getting our minds in the word. And we're supposed to be transformed by getting our gifts off the shelf. So reorient your abilities and start working for the good of the church. Jesus' plan to save the world is us. There's no B team, there are no bench sitters. So get your gifts off the shelf and let's get to work. Will you pray with me? Oh, King Jesus, we love you so much. And I'm kind of amazed, Lord, that you chose us to reach the world and do your work and be your hands and feet here and bring the mercy and the grace and the truth and the healing that you brought to us, to those around us. And we do mess it up. We're not perfect. So thank you for your grace to us. And I thank you just for the people out here, for empowering them with so many different gifts, for transforming us, God. You have absolutely just shattered the way that we were and you've made us into something totally new and for that we love you and we thank you. Empower us to serve well this week. Show us what opportunities there are for us to serve. Give us the courage to meet them. It's in your powerful name, Jesus, that we pray, amen.